I wonder if it's that button. Did, did that mess it up? Nope, that sounds good, Derek. Yeah. Now, I wonder if it's the Bluetooth with my uh, car then, because I, I, the only thing I changed was I put you on headphones instead of the car Bluetooth. Oh, I don't know. I I, I set my computer up to a different uh, a Wi-Fi network. I went from uh, standard 2.4 to 5G, but uh, I'm in my daughter's uh, part of her house where I get a uh, better computer network. Heck, yeah. So how are you doing this morning? Hey, I'm doing okay. I woke up at 530. <laughs> Like usual, can't seem to get a long sleep. Really? Yeah, I pop up. Last night I popped up, but I was able to finally get back to sleep. But I've been doing that a lot lately, too, around the 4 o'clock in the morning hour. And I, I get anxiety because I can, I can just sense immediately. I'm like, yeah, you're not rested enough. You're gonna, if, you're, if this is it, you're going to suffer today. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, but some of that has been all the anxiety and everything recently. And, uh, so you, I, I'm enjoying What's that? Are you busy this morning? No, I'm just doing a little bit of my dashing and, um, yeah, no, I've, I've got bandwidth. I'm on a, a, a kind of a long run right this moment. I've got to run down, uh, to a place called Valencia that's about 10 miles south of where I normally hang, do my thing, so. Okay. Yeah, this is actually perfect, perfect timing. And, uh, Good. I, it's interesting. I did go through some of the links that you sent and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it together, uh, for YouTube to put, so others can, can see the links that you've shared. But it, it's, it is interesting and it's kind of a cutting edge, uh, cutting edge in astronomy. These, these more organic things that they're finding and what does that mean, you know? Cool. Oh, oh yeah. I remember as a kid, uh, you know, I was interested in the visual astronomy, just getting outside. And then, uh, of course, you all had all the uh, interest in the Apollo program, and you had uh, shows coming online like Star Trek and that. Uh, and then you just kind of kicked in your imagination with other things like, I don't know, the shows were like One Step Beyond and Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and you know, the mind, you know, with a new medium, you got hit by all this stuff coming at you and it's like opened up a world that didn't really exist before. And I, I recall seeing some stuff on the scientific side about, you know, experiments done in the 50s. I, I think I sent you a link on, yeah, I sent you a link on that one called the Miller-Urey experiment. And that just really kind of, woke me up to say, well, you know, interstellar space isn't just noble gases and, and uh, simple uh, elements. It, it, uh, there's all kinds of uh, possibilities out there. You know, when people say, oh, do you think there's life out of uh, – was it? Is there a life out outside of outer space, uh, outside the Earth? And, and you think about it, humans weren't around, you know, 100,000 years ago, let, a, let, let alone a million years ago, but yet there was this abundant – uh, biology going on to this on this planet that you think, wow, we weren't even here, and and and, and it was uh, generating, you know, advanced dinosaurs, and you know, through the whole process, you know, that that occurred before we were even here. So it just seems ludicrous to think 
that this is the only place in all the history of space-time that this is the only place that is has this peculiar limited action going on, you know. So absolutely, it just it, it is. It almost seems like a no-brainer, but I mean, you know, the, to do it scientifically, you, you want to be able to make the observations and and have others verify the observations and. Well, so it's a little hard. Well, it's it's also over. It's hard to overcome generations of generations of. of, uh, I would call it your preconceived notions of of of, uh, the creation story, you know. But you got to overcome your biases too, because you know there's uh, there's so much. I don't know, close-mindedness to things. I mean, you, I know that the, uh, the mistakes that I that I thought about when I was a kid, you know, whether it was my grandmother's thinking about some superstitious stuff or uh, somebody else telling me about their belief system. And I was, I had my own belief system, you know. And uh, so I constantly having to retool my brain because I wasn't really, using it correctly. I still have problems with that. Oh uh, yeah, me too. Me too. It's uh Yes, I, I don't know. I, I like I like that science just always kind of gives you those reality checks and um and, and 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 I don't know. I find it to be relaxing to kind of step back in that perspective. I mean, even now like there's no big meaning if we were to find life today, like if somebody you know, like yeah. Something easy. Let's say, let's say we sent the probe to, to Mars and drilled and be like, oh, you know, you know, there's actually water still, you know, two miles under, under the surface here or something like this. And oh my gosh, yeah. there's the microbes that live here or whatever. It, it wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't radically change how I feel about day in and day out Earth life. It would just, it would probably accelerate my cause of trying to get people to be like, well, why, why are we putting out being so sucky? Let's, let's have fun with all this, you know? Let's, uh, Right. Let's explore and, and double down on it, but uh, you know, every, know. a lot of times you you see a, a lot of times when you know people are you see on social media where they, they condemn you know somebody somebody's action because they spent money doing one thing or the other and the allocation of resources aren't being spent the way they think it should be done. However, I, I just see, I just see that, uh, you know, as a person, you know, it's just interesting. I mean, maybe there's no direct uh, economic benefit that to know that, uh, you know, that the James Webb uh, scope might find signatures of a, of a molecule in the atmosphere that uh, that uh, may harbor signatures for life like phosphine or other complex um, chemicals and proteins and organic material but uh, you know for somebody like me what's that no i don't want to interrupt your train of thought i was going to say it was the web the the instrument that they used for that quote that you sent this morning that was showing the um how do they rephrase I didn't. I, got, I didn't write it down, so I don't have it memorized in my brain yet. But that that article, I, was, I don't know how they were making that discovery. They, they saw organic compounds or, or oh, yeah. precursors. Like, 
Um, yes, uh, that web was. Well, you know they are they're finding okay. So in a timeline, one of the first things that I remember recalling reading in the book was how these molecular clouds in space were packed with what they call organic material, which were things like um, methane, ammonia, hydrogen, water, and, and these organic clouds could possibly be seeded. Now, this is all hypothesis, but uh, now they, they come to, to understand the, the process in the 50s, the, the experiment called the Miller-Urey experiment, where they took these simple compounds and uh, with a little bit of energy and electricity and other other uh, energy-induced, were able to come up with amino acids quickly, actually, you know, and uh, something like 11 out of 20 amino acids were created in the lab. And now with these... Uh, other detectors, uh, they're, they're seeing compounds that are much more complicated than what was created in the experiment. And you say, how did that happen? But these, these, uh, energy sources, like you were looking at Europa the other day, or, you know, you're seeing, it doesn't have to be in the Goldilocks zone, you know. So it seems like the, the possibility at, uh, Transpermia is a, is a, is a, almost a, guarantee when you see that comets have these organic compounds in them and that the delivery system to the planet, you know, are um, uh, is not just a likelihood, but it seems like a fact. I know. I, I, you know it's, it's, it is weird that more more folks don't seem to... Uh, sorry about the seatbelt thing there. Sorry. But uh, it seems like it would be useful, especially now where humanity seems to be getting extra squirrely, and we're like my friend described it as collective claustrophobia, and I think that's a pretty good, pretty good. That's one good way to express kind of what's what's going on in modern the modern world. But it seems like it would be a great time for people to remind themselves, like you know, what is out here? What what is this? Is this? Are we just uh, the evolutionary extension of something that's very common in the universe, you know, and what does that, yeah. what does that mean? Like, wouldn't that, I just think it would induce, like, people chilling out a little bit. It's not to solve world problems, but it, it, it might help ease the tension a little bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, trying to figure out how do you connect with people when people have their biases and preconceived notions, and they're not really most aren't able to open up to a new idea. So, yeah, you know, what, I, what I'm saying is facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. It seems there's studies being done that people won't accept facts because it, it collides with uh, the conflict that they have in their own head that, well, that means that I'm wrong, you know, like. Yes, yes. Yes, please, please, I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought. I, I observe this more and more every day, and it, and it's, it kind of leads you to a scary place because the facts don't matter. Uh, you know, I won't use names in the political spectrum, but literally you can be a leader of a powerful country and be in yes. la-la land half the time, and it, it doesn't well, matter. 
People want to believe yeah. the story, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's weird. We get into danger. I think it's potentially very dangerous situations. Well, sure. And, and, and I, some people even speculate that, uh, because of this nature, we live in what they call in an, an idea, uh, what they, a scientific idea that, uh, they call the dark forest. Or should I say there's a novel called The Dark Forest where the reason why we don't see advanced civilizations is there's several different hypotheses that we're either those are scared, we're scared, we would said, well, we're going to just stay in our little cocoon because it's too dangerous out there, you know. And we don't, what, what's the, the they, they, they laugh and they joke and they say, what's the, the two scariest, there's, there's only two thoughts, that either there's advanced civilizations out there and that scares us, or we're totally alone and that scares us. You know, so it's like we live in the dark forest where we just kind of like stay in our location and we're not going to get out because it's too dangerous. Yes. Which also, which also leads, which also leads about the different, the different rivers or different, uh, Opportunities down that evolutionary tree that maybe that intelligence and the way that uh, not plants, but yeah, plants maybe even humans have to find a way to survive, and so conflict is inherent in the species, and that intelligence is actually almost a cancer to the species in the long run, you know, like uh-huh. that, that uh, we inherently only have a certain length or shelf life before we're part of the fossil uh, record, you know, and that our own collective intelligence brought us down and that maybe the rise of the machines would have to be a perfect, initial conditions for it not to wipe us out in the long run because we may be the problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That, uh, I mean, yeah, if you take that out logically like that, that's uh, certainly in the probability curve. Sure. Uh, hmm. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's so, it, it, it's, it's, I don't tend to be mired in, in a pessimistic view, but sure, you know there are there are, there are a lot of you know a lot of dangerous cross currents, aren't there? It's like if we can't all agree about what science is and what science is trying to say to us, and, and, it, and be able to accept the reality that it's never a hundred percent certain on anything. It's just not the nature yeah. of the universe. You know, you never well. That's the that's that's the problem with. Uh, the first problem with science is most people want a quick answer. You know, like, okay, I, I, this is my belief system, and I'm just going to pack it over here, and I don't have to worry about all that other stuff, right? So that to get the answer requires constantly revising an incorrect picture. It's just like, ah, I don't want to know. You know, give you an example in the, in the 70s and 80s, I believe what they call a closed universe. And I thought, oh, that's the way it is, right? 
a closed universe, you know, not an open universe or a flat universe as different fates of the universe. And it's like, ah, oh, I got new data. I got to change my idea of how the universe works. So all, the, all along, it's like how many ideas that we consider facts as being the truth because we have to constantly change our reality or picture of reality. So science is difficult. You know, science is difficult because it's constantly, What, 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 what was that? Because I was, I was going to ask you what you meant, what, what you meant by closed uh, universe. In other words, like it has a. Well, I'll give you an example. Is uh, they, they think that the universe has mathematically three possibilities, and I always figured, okay, well, gravity would pull everything together. Like if the Big Bang was a correct uh, vision, you know, that eventually, just like throwing a baseball in the air the baseball is going to come back down. And so everything that's going speeding away from us, it will eventually slow down like a baseball thrown at the air, and all the galaxies and all the nebulas, all the, all the black holes will eventually come back to that same point there it was. So we, it would be considered sort of like an oscillating universe. You know, that's how it, 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 it came from an explosion, and it contracts into the big crunch, and then whatever action is that took it to the point where it had to explode out of infinite density, it now goes into this cycle and recycle and rebirth because it just seems naturally idea that that recycling is the nature of of uh, the earth. I mean whether it's volcanic action or with the with the sun exploding and, and recycling materials, it just seems naturally to assume that the universe was a oscillating universe if you have the idea that, you know. But then they come up in the 90s discovered experiments that the galaxies that were, you know, 10 billion light years away were traveling twice as fast as the galaxies at 5 billion light years away. And it's like those objects, that doesn't make sense. How can the initial velocity of these galaxies moving apart, the further they are away from us, the faster they are moving. You know, so so as time goes on, they increase and is accelerated. These galaxies are moving away faster from each other every day. So now there's some type of I'm sorry. So no, what I'm just saying is that it just had to change the idea that this vacuum energy, well, you may call it dark energy, actually is the actual the c- controlling uh, force in the observable universe. It's like these galaxies, how can they keep traveling faster every day? I mean, there's there's they're they're like being accelerated like through a magnet away from us. So now they postulate that either the universe is a flat universe and will goes on forever, or it will be ripped apart down the road. So there's three fates. If you ever want to look it up, uh, something that's like omega is one equals one, which is like a flat universe. Omega is less than one means that it's an expanding universe. Omega is greater than one means that it's a closed universe. And these are all mathematical stuff. I could send you links on that stuff. But uh, 
Yeah. That's well, what I'm I'll, saying. I'll, I'll, I'll add to the, to the episode, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, with, with the, with the accelerating faster at the edges model. Yeah. No, well, that's the reason why that's, that's, well, you know, that's what the James Webb telescope is going to be built for. It's going to see in the infrared because these galaxies, their, their light has been shifted to the red. So these, these, these fuzzy dark galaxies that you see with the Hubble, they're looking beyond those galaxies to earlier galaxies because these galaxies eventually they fall off and out of the observable universe because their light will never have enough time to reach us. What I mean is, if these galaxies are moving away at the speed of light, no matter how long it takes, their light will never, ever hit your retina. Yeah. So they they fall off the edge. You know, they go outside of you. I'm, I'm sorry, do you know, is Hubble where they first kind of saw this, this phenomenon of things at the edges moving away faster, or was it a different instrument that they used? Back in, uh, back in the 20s, a guy uh, named uh, Edwin Hubble, the original actual astronomer, was dis- discovered that these galaxies were moving away, and they, they call it the redshift or the Doppler effect. So Einstein said... You know, he, he, he came in and decided, well, his equations can account for this, but he had preconceived notions, too, that the universe was static. So he, later in his writings, he said his biggest blunder was entering what they call the cosmological constant. And this cosmological constant was entered so his preconceived notion of the way the universe should be is uh, in these equations. Well, when they found out that these galaxies were moving away, it's just like, oh, this is not uh, the way it's supposed to be. And they all were hitting their head against the wall because their preconceived notion of the way the universe reacted wasn't what was what was being said by their discoveries. And and then during the nineties, you know, they were looking and they were, they were coming up and re what we call uh, they now I was earlier I was talking about these these galaxies traveling at a certain ratio faster as it's further and further away. Well, this thing they called the Hubble constant, what they entered into their equations, they had a number for it. But now the numbers seem to indicate that uh, their Hubble constant that they entered needs to be modified. And they're still trying to hone or fine-tune that number, what they call the, so that can pin down the age of the universe and somebody, and, and uh, <clears throat> they get an idea. You know, some, with the old numbers, they, they, they thought they saw stars that were older than the universe, you know, in some of these globular clusters, because they thought they understood how star formation was done, and said, so that star there looks like it's older than the universe. But that's because some of the uh, initial uh, formulas were incorrect, you know. So they pinned it down to the Big Bang happened about 13.8. What's that? I'm, I'm sorry. Give me, but Hubble, so, so these guys were still doing things 
using mathematical logic, or was he able? I, yes. I can't remember the date when things like seeing a redshift would, would that technology didn't exist in the twenties and thirties yet, did it? Uh, well, they could, could they observe those light changes and see that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Spectroscopic uh, really? analysis has been around for almost 100 years, yeah. I did not and, know they were using that that long ago and for, for what, you know, ground-based telescope stuff. I did, I did not know that. So, so how did that Interesting. I'm going to have to do a little homework on that, man. Yeah, uh, so they could take... Basically, the, the optical lenses, and they can capture whatever light's coming into it and feed it to a different electric device that can see the, the bright the light spectrum out and see what the light Yes. Is. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the spectroscopy, yes. And then that's how they were able to see, well, that star right there is emitting mostly in uh, barium or, you know, they got the different filters and stuff. They know what the composition of the sun is because of uh, the spectroscopic analysis. So they know... The sun is for helium, hydrogen, and some of the other uh, elements, you know, and uh, and so it's amazing that the, yeah, the, and <coughs> it's been quite it's been known for a long time that our sun, our sun, or should I say, because this is this is not proven in the sense that it, they put it right there in front of you. What I'm saying is this is all hypothetical stuff, but the Earth, the way it's created, it's what went through what they call uh, thermonuclear synthesis. So elements like oxygen were created in an explosion by what a, a supernova. So the heavier elements were created at higher energies, you know, uh, all the way up to iron. And that's what you see is the Earth was Earth and our sun is a product of what they call our sun is a third generation star. The sun, the star before us that created these all these heavy elements came from a supernova, what they call the second generation star. And some of the primary, the, the, the population, I have no idea where Yeah, I'd say it might be the towers down here. Right? In, in this area where I'm at, there's a, there's a lot of towers, but there's a lot of people. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if it like, just, just too much for everybody streaming data and doing this and doing that. I mean, there's so many towers, and that's why I get that thought from. I'm like, man, there seems like a lot more than the Rochester area around here. Like, penguins too. <laughs> well, huge. I, I showed I showed four bars here, so I think I got a pretty good signal here. So, so uh, yeah, you were in the middle of, of uh, talking about you had mentioned second generation uh, stars that are like born born of supernova, and then. I, then the call cut off. I didn't, I didn't catch the last the last part. Yeah, I was talking about po what they call population star, population one stars that are in uh, some of these globular clusters. I think there's something like 200 globular clusters that are populate the Milky Way galaxy, and most of them are uh, these globular clusters are uh, by stars that are low metal content stars. They call them. Um, Oh, that's the short term. I can't remember the name that they call for these type of stars, but they're old, but they don't have a lot of metal or heavy elements uh, in the uh, their atmospheres or even in the in the globular cluster itself. But those stars go on to be population two stars, and then our sun is a population three star, 
and they see they understand they pretty much understand what our sun will be down the road like a, a white dwarf like a white dwarf uh, star before it's you know it pushes its shell out all the way out to uh, Jupiter you know it'll it'll consume all those uh, planets before that man. but uh, man, man, man. But, yeah, that's another interesting thing but yeah, but I, I guess uh, the original thing was I was gonna, what I was going to touch on was, uh, you know, I, I read these magazines all the time, and, and then they're, they're talking about how these intergalactic clouds are being seeded by um, by the. I don't know if you know much about gamma rays, but gamma rays are some of the highest, uh, most powerful energetic. Um, uh, particles that are streaming through our atmosphere and through uh, throughout the, the cosmos, and these mm-hmm. high energy energy particles are hitting some of these organic clouds and actually creating. It, it seems that their signatures are that these organic clouds are producing super complex. Uh, organic molecules. You know, I, I sent the last. Uh, uh, link to you, but I, I thought, man, this is some of this stuff has been around since the 50s, but still, even today, they're they're finding more and more complex uh, organic chemistry going on out there in interstellar space. Which is funny because you don't think that interstellar space would be warm enough because the background uh, temperature of the universe is about 2.7 degrees Kelvin being zero degrees Kelvin to absolute zero. So you're only talking about maybe five, six degrees above absolute zero that these these interstellar clouds are, are, are forming. And so that doesn't seem like there's enough energy. But these things are getting seeded by, you know, these atoms are getting pushed apart, split, combined, and, uh, you know, ammonia and other complex chemistries going on. I thought that's pretty cool information, you know. Oh, definitely is. It's uh, yeah, because it seems like at those temperatures, just any kind of yeah, just it was like almost slow to crawl, or you wouldn't have any activity. In. But e- even though it may seem slow, when you have all the time in the universe, talking about tens of billions of years, hey, things can happen. <laughs> really is mind-blowing because you get so caught up in whatever this consciousness is that we have as humans, you know, this, this day-in-and-day-out stuff. And and then it really, you just dip your toe back into these ponds for just five seconds. It's just like, what are, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Why are we doing this? <laughs> Man. I, I, yeah. I, I would be curious to see what where that search for, for for these organic molecules, where it goes next? I mean, like. Well, I mean, you. you, you what's that? Are, are there any plans afoot to spend money at, for example, landing something on Europa and trying to core down and just see what's in the water down there, for example, or anything like that? I mean, is anybody? I haven't stayed on top of it. I don't know. Is, any, is anybody planning to spend that kind of money? Seems like a, I, well, I, I think area to go first. I, 
I think there are plans uh, down the road, but I don't know. I, uh, because you take this James Webb telescope, I mean, they, they put, first put that on the table some 30 years ago, and it's still delay after delay after delay. And then, you know, you see things like uh, the space shuttle that was uh, defunded. The space shuttle doesn't even go on. It's been 10 years since the last last uh, space shuttle went up because it's been canned. So they had plans, but they changed it, and you got, you know. And there's a lot of people who say, we shouldn't be spending money on this. We should be spending money on that. But, you know, so so there's always that argument in the back, you know, where you, even if something's planned, what when is it going to get off the ground, you know? So. I know, because because the times and distances involved, you you really want everything. I I mean everything really in in human in our human world. I want it to run a lot faster, including yeah. space science. I mean wh- I mean who's got I mean what fun is it to yeah we'll get there one day or you know dick around for twenty years and then finally send something up that takes another ten years to get to where you want to look at. I mean what fun is that? You know I, we, I don't know. Like you've heard me ramble on about the living in an era of rise expectations, you know, that's something we have to take serious because I know, I, I know my expectations are, have risen to the point where I'm probably living in fantasy land at the top of my head. You know, I, 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 I don't see why we're, I don't see why it's not better already. And I get frustrated that others don't see like, yeah, no, we, we, we do have money to do all these things and fancy stuff in space. We have, we don't have a, a scarcity issue. We don't, we just have an allocation and, a, and an imagination crisis. And a leadership, yeah, I was, we don't have. Well, it does come from the top, and supposedly, you know, uh, our governments are supposed to be for us and not against us. So I don't know, um, you know, whether the self-serving nature of democracy or republic or what can overcome these these issues, but. Um, Maybe, I don't know, talking politics is different because everybody has preconceived notions of what uh, is correct. But, uh, you know, one thing is, like, how do you feed the population? I mean, uh, right now there are people fighting uh, genetically modified plants when they can resist disease, you know, in these third world countries. And people are saying, yeah, you can't have those modified plants. But don't you see that you can feed the people better? That don't matter. Yeah. You know. Uh, they, I know. I know. I know. It's true. It's uh, across pretty much uh, really any sphere of of, of science gets does get some somewhat politicized, and it turns into this football that gets kicked back and forth. And yeah. And meanwhile, we're not we're not doing things like that. Seem like easy, low hanging fruit things like send up. Let's send a probe. You know, something similar that we use to core drill here or or do for petroleum industry drilling here. Let's send something like that up to to, to Europa, and let's see if we can crack in, into the ice and see what's under there. I just think it would be yes. so freaking cool. Wouldn't that be better than watching Real Housewives of blah, blah, blah on TV? Wouldn't it be freaking better? I mean, you're not going to Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you touched, you, you touched a very good uh, point. Uh, I what is what is on TV and what is occupying everybody's thought? I I, I was uh, watching everybody condemn Jeff Bezos for going up into the atmosphere. Now, yes, I know he, he didn't really go into space, but 
if you're going to have a problem every two minutes working with a federal agency to get anything done, something like a probe to uh, Jupiter or Europa or, or any of these other satellites in the solar system, if a rich person can freaking bypass all the red tape and get it going, fine. Amen. I, mean, I think that's a great thing to get excited about, too. I really do. In fact, this uh, this opportunity that I'm pursuing that I still haven't seen the offer letter for, by the way. God damn it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so so okay. it's not over till, till, it's, till it's over. But uh, one of the things that's exciting about it is they're not chanting this, but I can see it. When you get into uh, certain levels of, of uh, design, and in this case, the digitization, of, of things you're going to make, you know, the digitization of the manufacturing files. Well, then you can bypass tariffs and countries, and you don't have to be setting up this big factory. You can just have this machine that's sitting right. in your office here or sitting in your office there or sitting in your office down in South America, wherever. Maybe somebody needs to move it because of a storm or whatever, and, and right. you send the file over like you send a, 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 a music file, and you build this, this thingy, you know, and this, or this sure. part that gets assembled into this thingy. I think that's pretty exciting. So and it, it, it chimes into this thing, like maybe the Jeff Bezos of, of the world and, the, and, and people like him just realize that, you know, trying to do things, you know, get permission, raise your hand and get permission and do things, quote, unquote, the right way, just doesn't get it done. And you just got to go right. around that mess. You don't confess. Yes. You just got to go around it. <laughs> right. So, yeah, go. I, I'm, God bless him for going there. Uh, but one, one quick joke, though. I will say I, I was listening to um, – that Neil deGrasse Tyson book, that you, uh, My Favorite Universe, I think it's called. Right, course. yeah. And he does point out, I forget the context, but he points out that, like, yeah, when you go to, like, the International Space Station or something like that, you're actually still in the atmosphere. <laughs> it's like it's like you have to go yeah. way, way, way out before the atmosphere is actually completely done. But it's just so, right. like, so much less dense. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. really interesting. Well, I always, even as a child, you know, even as a child, my grandfather would say, you know, it's only uh, 10 miles away up in the atmosphere. I think he said something like 60,000 yeah. feet or something like that. He says the temperature is uh, 85 degrees below zero. I, I thought to myself, how can, it be, how can it be only 10 miles away and have it being basically 100 degrees difference in, you know, that's 85 degrees below zero at a certain level, you know. That just, it's just wild. You're talking about being in space where it's so much thinner, you know. The air is so much thinner. I mean, there's an X amount of atoms at a certain level, you know, as the whole topography of the atmosphere has been laid out. You know, these satellites are still traveling in the Earth's atmosphere, you know, but they're very thin. And, 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 and if, you, if you know off the top of your head, remind, because uh, I don't think a lot of people that think about this sort of thing realize it, but you're only talking like, what, the International Space Station is, what, three or four miles up or something like that? It's not that far, right? Well, I, I, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, what is it? I think they're like the, the, I think Hubble's right around either 60 or 200, 200 miles above the atmosphere maybe, something like that. I don't. I don't think that it's not. It's not. It's not thousands of miles. Though there are some satellites, some satellites that are thousands of miles high. 
Some of them were, I think, as high as 23,000 feet traveling pole to pole, they call it, and they're in geosynchronous orbit, you know, or, or where they actually, they're stopped. They're, they're moving the same speed as the Earth rotates, and they're constantly falling at the speed that the Earth is turning. And, and they're, they're geostationary. They're geostationary. So they, they, they are at a certain level where they just kind of, you know, they can stay at the same location at equal distances and, you know, set up communications, satellites, and all that stuff. But, yeah, but most yeah, of these, these are all in suborbital. With that? No, I wonder what that number is, is if it is like 25 or 30,000 feet, if it's like, you know, six miles or, or more, you know, like in that range. But uh, even if it's as far out as 200 miles, it's not – you know, it's 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 not that far away, and uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would just love to be out there for a minute and chase yeah, and see outside the interference of the of the you know this little shell that we're in here down here on the ground. You know, I, it's got to be spectacular. I mean, they must want well, to see. Well, back in the seventies, there was a there was a satellite called Skylab that crashed. But it was uh, traveling around the Earth at uh, 270 miles or above the atmosphere. And apparently it wasn't moving fast enough, and, you know, the, the atmosphere dragged it to the ground. And then I think Mir was you know, Mir is 223 miles above the Earth's atmosphere. And I see right here that the orbit of the – I'm looking at the, <laughs> the computers. Uh, ISS is 254 miles above the atmosphere, you know, so – that's the, the International Space Station is 254, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is that above Earth's surface, or is that about when you're saying above the atmosphere, there's a certain... I mean, uh, it's, above, it's, it's, above, it's above the Earth's uh, surface, above the Earth's surface. Okay, yeah. okay. And, 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 and I'm just not, I'm thinking out loud, when you get to above like 40,000, 50,000 feet, that's when you need like special... Pressurized cabins and, and oxygen and stuff like that, right? I, I can't, I can't remember. Oh, yeah. I commercial. Yeah, yeah. commercial flights are pumped up with, uh, you know, pressurized cabins at 40,000 feet. There's no oxygen. Well, there's oxygen up there, but only percentages of what is necessary for us. I think when they, when they travel and climb Mount Everest, you know, that's, that's about the highest a person can possibly go without a tank, you know, 29, 30,000 feet. It's just almost a coincidence that most people can't get that high by walking because they're not in shape. But the best mountain climbers, they, 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 uh, they're able to get to the top, but not much further than that. That's only, you know, five, six miles above the Earth's atmosphere. And even, even when you, even when you just go to Colorado, you know, and you're at uh, 5,200 feet a mile, you can see, feel the difference, you know, just as you do active activity. So, you know, it it, uh, it dissipates, the oxygen and other things dissipates pretty quickly the higher you go. And that, that's, uh, when, you, when you look at a, a tropical storm, you'll never see a tropical storm, uh, the echo tops or the storm tops being above, 65,000 feet. That's about as high as these storms will get. 
you know, I, I was looking at the, or the United States, and most of them are raised, the biggest storms are raised between 55 and 65,000 feet. I haven't seen anything much higher than that, you know, wow. so. Wow. Yeah, I mean, kind of even get, t- tying back a little bit to this space exploration, seeing this this organic dust, for lack of a better word, you know, these formations and stuff, and then, and then you think that when you fast forward to an Earth scenario that's kind of been evolving and, and stealing for, you know, what, five billion years or so, and and we and in this conversation you are having, it's, it's easy to trick yourself into thinking you're this robust, you know, fairly resilient creature. Yeah. But then if you just go, like, you know, five miles up, which is like, you know, to be on the crisis point, he's like, say, say the deepest point that we know of, the Marianas Trench, and the highest point, you know, the Mount Everest that we know, the, the, if you add both of those up, it's only like 12, you know, 12 to 15 miles type time frame. And we know yeah. what happens if you go below 100 feet of water. You know, you need all kinds of special stuff and gear and pressurize this. And yep. you go yep. to your point. <laughs> so, so, we're, so we're not nearly as robust as we, I mean, God, it's just. It's, it's, that's it's, right. It's yeah. A mind trip. <laughs> it's a mind, you know, it's like all this stuff, and you feel it. You feel it. You're, I'm almost 50 years old. You feel like you've been banged up a little bit. And you kind of get back on the field every day of life, doing all this rat race crap that's, that you've got to do to. <laughs> well, that's. That's uh, that's like a, from the old uh, Clint Eastwood movie when he said, a man must know his limitations, <laughs> you know. It's like uh, you got to be careful, you know. It's a, it's a dangerous world, you know. So. Wow. Well, yeah, that's another, another yeah, like the, the, uh, the dangerous world. It is so easy, the life that I've lived, you know, as an American, as mostly a suburban slash urban American. Like nature, you get removed from what nature really is. You think nature is like you know soft, and but now as I'm getting older, I'm more conscious when I'm in a natural environment that, that I'm like, you know what, this this could be very hazardous. Like maybe I don't yeah, know, you, know, you, you saw the jogger a couple of years ago, a mountain lion almost chomped his face, you know, down down over in California. I mean, that, that's and where you're at. I mean, if you're not paying attention, if you're dicking around in your backyard, you could get mauled by a freaking bear. Oh. <laughs> I think about that. I think I be think about that all the time. Uh, you know, when I go because I'm on 25 acres and there's bears everywhere here. You know, there's I I walk there's bears uh, droppings on the trail. You know, so I know the bears are here. One day I was setting up my telescope and the bear ran behind me about 25 yards. Susan was saying, "Hey, hey, there's a bear," and he was gone before I could even see it. But she saw the bear was only behind me by about 15, 20 yards. You know, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when I was in Yellowstone, when I was in Yellowstone, when I was in Yellowstone, it's like I didn't even get out of the car because those were grizzly bears I can hear in the in, in the dark. You know, so it was like you know, I had more experience in Yellowstone. Kristen and I got we went we went camping, and we you know we get up the next morning we get our coffees or whatever and we're gonna go we just randomly pull over one of these spots where you can get out of your car and park in a lot and and. We start to go to chop off, you know, into the woods, and we got—I don't know—100, 200 yards in the woods, and I realized to me, I was like, you know what? I don't know this habitat. This feels like a very bad idea. This is not <laughs> walking, some, you know, some place in Oklahoma, you know, park yeah, yeah. Illinois. Like, this is like this could be dangerous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this could be like this could be like not a good idea at all. So we we didn't keep doing it right. because you know. 
I, I would if I was properly, you know, you got to study it with their possibly have weaponry or knives, you know, something that if it goes sideways, you've got a chance. But you can be right. out there and pair of flip-flops, you know. <laughs> You're cruising for a bruise, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah even down here, like here, it makes me insanely nervous when my sister lets her son run around barefoot on the golf course at dusk. And, and, it's, oh, okay. and this is a thing that they do, but... Dude, it is nothing but alligators and snakes everywhere. And I'm yeah. thinking at dusk, this is when a snake would be on, you know, a golf course. Why not? You know, it's perfectly flat terrain. There's frogs are everywhere. You know, this is where one, if I was a snake, this is where I would hang out. I'd come out of water for just, you know, eat a frog, you know. And I just don't like it at all. It makes me very nervous. <laughs> well, I, I know even around here, um, I had, uh, I was, moving some chopped wood that was chopped, but it was sitting around for a long time, and it got infected with spiders and stuff, but I, I didn't expect to find what I saw. There was, I picked up a, a, a log, and they had what they call a brown recluse, a very big brown recluse. Now, my understanding of brown recluse is people have gotten infected Severely, some people even die if they got bit or stung by one of these things. And my granddaughter was my granddaughter was only four feet away from me, and these things can jump and and move. They're not just crawling on the ground. And I instantly, I instantly, my reaction was to kill it, right? And that's what I did. I just as fast as I could move my hand, a bare hand, I hit this brown recluse and crushed it. But yeah. not until later did I realize if that wasn't successful, I could have been stupid um, about that, and I could have gotten bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, you went after a bareheaded, you said? Yes. Dude, you're yeah. an animal. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I that's, that's, that's where it was just no. I, I would have done the other part, because that's a, um, another thing about, yeah, I get it. My, 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 grand, you know, my granddaughter was only four feet away. It's like I wasn't taking a chance. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. You, 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 don't, you just put yourself in and say, the last thing you want is that thing to get on her or bite her. You know, the hell with yourself. Bang! You know, and it's game over, you know. Yeah. So yeah. No, I wasn't going to say, think about stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, because here, here I've heard people say in this neighborhood that that my dad and sister live in, it's an older neighborhood. And what happens in Florida is, well, anywhere. It's our whole the whole country. It's our relationship with nature now and the, and the universe. We've gotten a little soft in that people, if there's a dangerous thing, they don't think to kill it anymore. They don't think they're allowed to kill it or they have a problem right. killing it. And I get it, like, you know, you know, a karmic sense or the, you know, like a reverence of life sense. I get it. But at the same time, what it's allowed is is these, these areas, when they mature and the landscape's all back lush again, they're infested with all kinds of critters that back, you know, my dad tells a story, like, when he would go to his grandmother's house in around Macon, Georgia, when he was a kid, it was a sandy soils, and, and the, he goes, Grandma, why do you have that, that uh, shotgun? And he goes, she, that's for the rattlesnakes. Because back, you know, if the yeah. rattlesnake got around the house, the kids are, you didn't shoot them. You didn't them. Yeah. You know, it's pretty cut and dry. But, but yeah. you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah, because even I feel kind of guilty about, uh, you know, getting a bug or a spider in the house and stuff. But 
you kind you kind of got to protect your domain a little bit. You got to be what it well, is. Well, right absolutely. You got to be pragmatic. <laughs> I think that, that that's almost uh, unnatural. You have a, a a predator come into any other predator's location. Nature will, you know, take care of, you know, that, that's just natural. It's just, we, we put our unnatural, uh, stamp on things, you know, it's like, you can't do that. It's like, I don't think, uh, you know, the black ants or the red ants are going to be thinking about ethics, you know, no, when they, no, they're not, and they will invade your spot, and if you're not careful, I mean, like, you know, someone, let's say, has a, a dangerous water moccasin or something like that in their backyard or near their pool, and they join it, you know, they want to be ethical, so they remove it and just put it back in the yard. Well, it's going to keep coming yeah. back, and it's going to establish <laughs> that, and that's his, or now you're asking you to get your little, you know, your, your, your niece is over or something like that, and you're not thinking about it, and, you know, those little, those little fuckers can be aggressive in the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You know. want to leave that thing hanging around. It's probably not a good idea. Right. I'm not saying go out buffalo like the old days where you're riding a train and people are, you know, paying for some, let, let's shoot some buffalo off the windows of the train thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, humans have done some pretty fucked up things on that front. I, I, <laughs> back in those days. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some, you know, some religious people, even in this country, you know, they'll, they'll take snakes and they'll, they'll try and prove their faith by, you know, tempting the snake to not bite them or if they get bit, the, you know, their belief is it's not gonna, you know, whatever they preconceived idea is like, you know, snake handlers, uh, taking these things in there and, you know, if you don't have faith the way they do, it's going to bite you, you know, or it's not going to bite you because you have faith. It's like they're testing that down. You know, it's like crazy, crazy, crazy. I don't think uh, the snake is part of your, the equation, you know. No. He's not thinking the way. Yeah, he's not thinking about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not thinking about the Pope. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to steal too much of your day and your time. I I I like this discussion, but I I uh, I do think it's going to trip me out the rest of the day uh, thinking about how you do go from things like like the article you sent me, where you see these real basic organic precursors or organic things that could become amino acids and all the things that would be. They think that the yeah. theory is these building blocks of life. And then you get to, like, an Earth situation or even a Europa, you know, where you have this water that seems to be the other necessary piece. Yeah. And somehow somehow that becomes, you know, spiders and snakes and alligators. And oh, alligators yeah, and I know. Yep, and all, yep. And all the rest of it. You know, and it's, it's fucking, it's amazing. It's really fascinating. And then, and then you know, whatever humans, whatever we are, I mean, it, it's you know, with our consciousness and this ability to organize and communicate. I mean, and it may just be that, by the way. We may have big egos, but it may be that we figured out how to make clicks and clacks of our voices uh, mean something to each other so that we could do all the rest of this stuff, like build these cars we're riding around in. I mean, it could have just yeah. been the communication part. The rest of it, we're not as smart as we think we are. I don't know. But 
Well, you know, uh, you, 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 you posted, uh, the other day about uh, a Feynman quote, uh, Richard Feynman. You know, he's a physicist. He was, you'd actually, you, you could probably read about his, uh, biography. He's one of the most interesting people that, uh, ever went through uh, the U.S., uh, what do you call it? This education, the institutions. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, academia. He was a, he was an unbelievable, uh, uh, you know, guy. But basically, you know, his his statement that you posted about, you know, you're not supposed to 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 figure it all out. Nobody's supposed to figure it all out. But just sit back and enjoy uh, the pat the tapestry and the way it's all woven together. You know. Yes. I mean, yes. And, 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 and you really can find, you know, and that's part of what I'm hoping to achieve when we have these these science episodes of, of this podcast. It's like even if it just reminds five people of how fascinating yeah. what's around them, I just think that's very healing. I mean, on a personal level, selfish level, and and then and then to share, you know, what would you want to share with your kids or your, you know, friends and family or or your world? You know, it's like just step back from you know going to get your next material thing at Walmart or Target or whatever, and and you know maybe revisit some things you think you know about. You know, you you probably yeah. don't know. The, the story of the cosmos. You probably don't know where the science is. I know I'm trying to learn, and I still. I mean, I, I have a lot of questions from us talking today. I mean, like I'm kind of. But but, I, I but you do. The way the, the 20s and 30s they had spectrometry. I didn't know they were able to see light shifts back that far. I figured that was in the 50s. I, I would have assumed that was. I would yeah. Have, I would have bet a million bucks that was in the 50s. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I find that even the eight, the seventeenth century and the eighteenth century uh, physicists and and and, and uh, you know professors, it was just amazing, like what Ernest Rutherford was able to do, figuring out about electromagnetism or uh, or Maxwell or um, you know a bunch of these other people that uh, you know were figuring out the structure of nature. Just an cre- incredible story. Um, and, and yet, you know, these people understood, and today our children don't understand anything. You know, like you know, it, it's a real problem, and it, it's like I, I even see it. Well, I, I don't want to go off on a huge tangent about some of our institutions, but we, yeah, we, I think we need to be brave enough and bold enough, especially as Americans, because it's kind of like we wouldn't be shocking the world or shocking ourselves that much by being really radical right now. But I think we ought to just scrap most of it. Like, you don't have to defund, but just, like, yeah. just stop acting like – because I think you're you're killing the kids by sticking them in daycare all day. And I'm, I'm tired of calling it going to school now. I'm, I want people to start openly calling it daycare because right. if it's schooling and education, if you're learning, well, then you should be having the types of discussions we're having right now. And you should be, you, you should be referring to people like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, some of the greats who can break down this complicated stuff and keep track of it all in their brilliant minds and – and spit it back out again. Uh, I think you go sit 12 hours in a building all day talking about, you know, your, your teacher might be yammering on, on some curriculum, but you're not paying attention to that. That's not going to work for anybody. I mean, I couldn't go through that again. God, no God. way. No. No. Can you not kill It's like, I mean, it's it's fraught with uh, distracting danger. And, I, and I, you know, heard me, you, I think you've heard me say before, I think what you're really doing is we're training ourselves to shut down. And then and yeah. they do not look at stuff and, and pay attention to get excited about anything. And and then the next thing, of course, after you shut down, is you start chasing money because you think that the 
material trappings of the world, which, you know, we all like it to a certain degree, but, uh, you know, you think that that's where, where it's at, and you waste 30 years of your life chasing that bullshit around, you know? Right. I don't know, man. I, I think we have a real crisis. Like, I, we don't have to have kids be, you know, we, we can have a lot more people get excited about science. And, you know, I think you could do more in a 15, 20-minute know what you're talking about or present it a certain way than you could ever do in a year of school. You know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, that's a toughie for me. It's tough because, you know, my kids were out of some of that last year because of COVID, and then they've now been reinserted back in some of it. And I've got very mixed feelings about some of that stuff. It's like, ugh. You know, it's okay for right this second, but at the end of the day, I, I want them to retain that curiosity, that learning, and that, you know, like, you know, to your point about Simon, you know, it's like it's not all knowable, but, man, yeah. go over here and look at look at trees or look at m- music and art or look at... Oh, I was just... I would be interested, you know? You know, it's sometimes, it, 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 sometimes it's really, you know, you have to really jerk your head around because there's so much, there's so much that you, if you just, like, focus for a second and realize how amazing... That is. Now, to give you an example, I was just thinking about this subject yesterday about, well, maybe we could touch on this even for a little bit. But the idea or the concept or the discovery of photosynthesis and how these plants are able to take the energy that's coming from the sun and make food out of that. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it's just an amazing, the, the mechanism involved for a, a tree to take its leaf and create chlorophyll for it to exist, that that whole thing with just photosynthesis is just freaking unbelievably complex. That we can't even do that as a as a species yet. But uh, you know, but that is such a monstrous mechanism going on all over the world. It's, create, it's taking the energy out of the sun, that stuff, that radiation, and then converting it to food. It is, man. That's something I'm staring right now, as you're saying, that I'm staring at literally probably 50 different varieties of plants and trees because it's just this is a kind of a planned area where they, they brought a lot of this stuff in. Yeah. So not only is that that general principle of photosynthesis at work here, but it's at work in many, just like life. You know, the life forms, we touched a few of them a little while ago with the humans and spiders and whales and snakes and this, that, and the other. It's the same kind of phenomena, it seems, with the trees. It's like they take this basic living principle or one of these basic living principles, and but it manifests itself in so many different ways. And, you know, it's... Yeah, like this tree over here I'm looking at right now, one of them has that kind of a waxy leaf. The other is like a palm yeah. tree, which kind of, the palm tree doesn't even kind of make sense to me. It's like the the official look of tropical climates, but it doesn't even really make <laughs> yeah. sense to me. It's this big stick with, with horny shit on it with a little bit of green stuff at the top. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just, uh, you know, opening the eyes, you know, a little bit. When you when you take for granted some of these things, it's like really, really, it's like unbelievable. And then you could cut a tree down and say, "Oh my God, that thing's uh, 500 years old." I mean, there's a the whole a whole process of understanding that that consciousness has arrived 
from an inanimate object like um like carbon, you know. Yes. What is this will to live? You know, this 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 life, this driving thing. It seems to be. It seems to organize us like this. You know. It, uh, yeah. God damn, man! There's so many questions. Uh, too many people are missing out. I think they just. Uh, it, it's not one and done either. I, I can't stress that enough to myself and to whoever's listening to us. It's don't do things like you saw that movie and now you're on to the next movie. You'll revisit yeah. science all the damn time. For your, yeah. You'll, you'll, yeah. You'll, be you'll, be, you'll be glad you did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like candy for the mind, too. You know, it's, I'm not being productive. My, I myself, I'm not, not. But it's like listening to music. I enjoy it. You know, that's that's just those are the senses that and, and uh i I think that there's more people out there than you realize that uh that have an insatiable desire to to have fun with it you know it's like i my first wife my first wife would say uh, hey you you know you you get the you're filled with the you probably are filled with the most useless information of anybody I know I'm thinking useless no what I could not disagree more. I think you've got the Neil deGrasse Tyson gift, Manny. I really do. I'm not, I'm not trying to blow smoke. I think you have this ability to not only have fun learning, but then you, you, you seem to remember it in detail much better than like my brain works, for example. My brain does not work nearly that sharp. And, and, and then, and then spit it back out in a very measured and, and, you know, in a very clear way. It, 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 it's not frantic. Like I, I can't. I, like I'm more frantic in my style, which can be very distracting to people. Your style is like you're just laying it out there, and then if a question comes up, you kind of can pivot and go. It's it's it's, uh, it's a gift, man. You got it. You got I appreciate it. that. I appreciate that. You know, but I tell you what, I, I the, the, well, you know, when I was on the astronomy field a couple months ago, this kid wanted to know about the. Uh, you know what he could see under the dark skies, and and it's just and, and the same thing with you a year ago. You know, it's just good to pass it on and have somebody else enjoy. You know, you 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 make a piece of cake. If somebody enjoys it, you like the fact that they enjoyed what you enjoyed. You know, it's like yeah. you know sharing it, and then somewhere down the road they'll share it with somebody, and then you know just propagates or rolls downhill with some momentum, I guess, you know. But the problem with day-to-day life is I went 15, 20 years without freaking doing anything, you know. I was just going to be at work, and uh, that grind just kind of, you know, it's like I was looking forward to retirement because I could really start doing the things that I was interested in and not becoming part of the matrix and not becoming part of the matrix, you know. You know, that's – Again, I, I won't take us down that rabbit hole, but that, that is why I constantly bring that topic up. I am, I am irritated about that too, that, that this, where we are as our, our, our civilization and our evolution is such that you just basically have to trade away all of your time for not nearly enough money usually. And, it, and why the money matters, because it would give you at least some power and some flexibility to do stuff even when you're exhausted from trading all your time away 
but it's like we can't seem to – we're in this rut, and, it, and the trend doesn't look good right now. It seems like to get to, – to have the leadership to get us out of that to where we're trading a lot less time, um, you know, and maybe going into work environments that are a lot less bullshit so you're not so distracted would free yeah. up this bandwidth so people could be more immersed in stuff that they're interested in or making better art or learning. Which I just think, yeah. that, you know, I I would make an argument that that's good for society, you know, and so yeah, that's, well, that's why I don't come off that topic. I am actually I'm irritated to the point of like, like I I'm a kind of obsessed with it now. That like like I am sick of it having to be this way. And if I was going to pass something along to my kids, it would be like, let's fix the baseline economic security for humanity, not just me, for humanity, because I don't want to see other people suffering either. Let's fix that. So that, A, if people don't want to do shit, there's no shame to that. That's that fine. They don't do shit. But if they do want well, to do shit, one of the things that I sometimes I will, will step up and I'll defend, the, like the United States, not so much in policy, but just the establishment. I mean, in our original doctrines or, 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 or papers, uh, we have the right to pursue happiness. That's in the paper. We'll make a society where we can, as individuals, can pursue what makes us happy. Yeah. I, I, I just find that the burden of, you know, the burden is we've created an environment where maybe we're not the worst, but we're not definitely not the best uh, at, at creating... Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, it's not done yet. I, I think that's the thing. It's, it's like, I get it. People get excited. I mean, the, the 4th of July is becoming a harder and harder holiday for me in some ways because it's like, it's too much of a, oh, we're the best. And it's not, it's like, no, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. I'm still having to turn right. away eight, ten hours a day like you and work two jobs and this, that, and the other to even have a roof over my head and take care of my kids. You know, I, I you know, it's like this ain't perfect yet, guys. This is not done. You know, and, and not even close. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and uh, you know, and unfortunately, you know, we got so many vested interest groups now. I, I think that the vested interest groups, you know, people are trying to preserve whatever they've got now, or gain, or pay back whatever debts they're trying to pay at the high levels, right? That they that they end up gaining the whole damn thing and mired everything in bureaucracy. Like I, I've come to the conclusion that like half of the regulations, rules, licensures, you know, licenses and stuff, it's just all bullshit to protect vested interest groups and, and different sure. capital. It's already that in the game. You know, it's not those about are the, those, the, the, the game. I don't, those are what you you called earlier the gatekeepers. You know, like uh, they're the ones that set the the uh, the tone. You know, and uh, it's, they're all tone deaf, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if if if, the, if 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 global capital is so thick, which it is, I mean, at, at the at, at at the highest levels of finance, I don't think money's the problem. So that they buy up, let's say, all this real estate, which they do, and in the end result is these rents are so high that the people running these businesses, you know, I'm looking at ten businesses right now, they can't afford to pay their help anything. You know, they can't. Afford That's it. right. They look. They yeah. Afford it. And so it's like it's like what are we doing here? This is just concrete stucco and wood and glass and shit. This ain't like exotic technology here. So so what what you know again? It's like I think that's where 
trying to figure out what we want, and I would argue maximum bandwidth to do whatever, because that, that not only frees you to kind of explore things on, you know, like whatever might be in your noodle right now, but it also, over time, allows humans to really have bandwidth to chase down the probe project to Europa to see what's in that water and, and on and on yeah. and on. I mean, I don't think you get that bandwidth, that time and money and capital, if you're going to play patty cake like we're doing right now forever or indefinitely. Or saying, well, it's the way it is right now. You know, you got great ideas, Jerry, but it, you know, that's going to take a long time. Uh, no, no, no. It doesn't need to take a long time. But it will take a long time if everybody's walking around with a head in their ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that goes back to the, the original, looping back to the original uh, opening statement, I guess you'd say, is you have to find a way to relate to people so they can open their minds. You know, yeah. because they, right yeah, they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to open their minds if they think that you're going to be condemning the way they think, you know, so. Yes, and, and, so, you, know, you, know, you know, and it's hard to be sensitive to that sometimes because, you know, you, you, we all know our, ourselves and where our, our hearts are when we're doing things, but that's not necessarily what gets transmitted out to the world. Sometimes, like I, I've been called recently by people close to me that you come across as elitist. And right. when they cite when they cite what that what sparked that thought and, and another thing, once they think that, they don't come off of that. You know, like like when you're saying that yeah, people that's that's right. It's like, okay, you so you wrote that check a year ago and you're still calling me that and like and what it was really rooted in was there was something that was heated in the in the in the in the family at that point in time with uh, a debate about something. And I just chimed in my my little opinion about it. Well, that guy, it was just so volatile a situation that that guy construed as, you're an elitist. And I, and I asked them, yeah. like, no, I just, I, I had read some books on something and you, I know you have not. So you don't know the facts on that one and maybe you would like to explore that. But see, that's a, like you say, it's very sensitive because now it sounds like to that person you just called them dumb. Which is not what yes. they did, but that's what it sounded like to them. And yeah, they doubled down right. on their, they doubled down on their ignorance and it's not good for them or the world. But, and, and when I say ignorance, yeah. it's like they don't know. I, I, I should be clear about that. Well, I'm calling for well, uh, ignorance. Well, ignorance is an accurate uh, term because we're all ignorant. You know, yeah, that's yeah. the reason why you 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 have the you have you have the desire to overcome your ignorance. You know, it's like yeah, you yeah. want to know more. You know, yeah. because you yeah. you accepted the fact that you are an ignorant person, and so. Yeah. What can I, what can I do that about that? I could stay ignorant and I will always be ignorant, but I could always improve too, you know? So. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, maybe we, 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 I'm going to wrap us up right now just because I, I know I'll just keep going on and on, but it is, yeah. that is a curious thing. That's like not only recognizing your own ignorance and say, you know what? I want to learn more. But the other thing is, and I've noticed it with myself. For whatever reason, it's hard to let go sometimes, and don't be afraid to let go. Like, if you, even if you believe something for 50 years, you know, yes. it's okay to not believe that anymore if it's not true. Right. You know? Right. That's right. You know, I, I've even seen people being back in Jacksonville, and I'm not, again, this is not a slight against the South, but I've heard a few pretty racist damn sentiments. And, Living yeah. in upstate New York, there look, there's plenty of races in upstate New York too, but it's not something that, you know, if something racist comes up, 
in the first 30 minutes of me talking to you that I realized, like, yeah. okay, this dude, one of this dude's guiding principles of life, unfortunately, is he's, he's stuck there. He still hasn't really, right. he's still unaware of what he's doing and what he's saying and what consequence that has. I had somebody do it to me last night, actually. Um, said something about somebody else, and I don't think he realized that that, that could have started up an altercation or, or you know, put out some seriously bad vibes. I don't. I think the guy was completely oblivious to it. And uh, yeah. in, in his mind, he was making a comment to make a joke, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I really wish you wouldn't do that. You know, and I, and I deflect sure. what I did because people are so triggered, you know, if you, if you directly engage because that's what, that's what, that's what, leftists and far rightists do, right? As soon as they hear something like that, they want to give somebody a lecture. I'm like, no, 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 you got to be a little more nuanced than that because I'm not trying to put this guy in his place. I just don't want him to continue on a racist tangent, you know? Sure. <laughs> so I yeah. feel like I'm like, I, I reflected to something along the lines of I never saw the show. He was referring to a guy as a character from the show. And I was, I was like, yeah, I don't really watch TV. And you know, I kind of deflected. And he tried to come back to it. And I deflected again. Yeah. And I, you know, kind of give it enough time, it'll go away. And, and hopefully you've sent the signal like, yeah, I'm not racist, man. I'd rather you not do racist stuff around me. But, <laughs> but well, I will say, I, I, w- I will say that, uh, that if you take a position on something and you don't believe in the other position on something, whatever it is, you know, it comes out as bigoted, right? And, and there is nothing, I guess I say is there's no problem with being bigoted because being a bigot just means that you you don't accept another person's idea, right? So we're all bigoted by nature, but it, it comes across as such a negative term, like being ignorant. But you 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 have to take a position on something. What if you believe in something? That means that you there's something that you don't believe in, and therefore you have a problem with that other concept. So you're naturally going to be bigoted against certain ideas. And so, yeah, you know, ignorance abounds because it's impossible not to be ignorant because all the information in the universe, you know, cannot be attained. So you're going to no. be a certain level of ignorance. And also, don't yeah. be offended by the term bigot because bigot, it just means that you you believe in some sense. You think you have the facts about something, and you're not going to be receptive because, by nature, you're you're, you're going to be opposed to something that sounds idiotic. So you're bigoted. Let's say you're bigoted against uh, uh, a particular religion, or bigoted against a certain uh, belief system. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like it seems natural that you know you hear people. He's a bigot. Well, unfortunately, you know. You you can't deny the fact that that's going to happen with everybody. Everybody's ignorant. Everybody's bigoted. But it's not the negative. Not the negative connotation that sometimes it sounds like. You know. But but anyways, hey, I'm gonna wrap us up on this one. But I, man, as always, I love I love it, and uh, you know, I'll just let anybody listening know, Manny and I are gonna try to do. Uh, a little more frequent science talks, as long as you're game for many, I, I certainly am. And um, sure, you know, I enjoy I'm, I enjoy you letting me in your universe. <laughs> Are you kidding me, brother? It's awesome, man. <laughs> cool. Some access to Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, uh, Junior here. <laughs> 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 and I, yeah, but you might not even really like him as much. I just like 
No, he's he's great. He's he's great. He, there was a, in the seventies or early eighties, there was a show called Cosmos. Carl Sagan did, and uh, in uh, I think 2014, Neil deGrasse Tyson had a whole series where he revisited that whole Cosmos things, and he come touched on different subjects. So I don't know if you want to sometimes, you know, take a look at those. You know, you can see where he came from. You know, the evolution of him. Because I've, I've listened to his podcast a few times. I think he called it Star Talk, and yeah, he brings somebody that's not a science guy. Yeah, as a comedian, he has, I think he is a rotating guest sometimes. But he's got a guy co-moderates sometimes with him. It's not a guy of science at all. He's a comedian that likes to learn, and it's, it's yeah. a nice breakup because because Neil's style is is such. Well, you know, it's kind of like when we're talking. You know, there's been a couple of bombs. You know, a couple jokes, laughing, and at the same time, you know, trying to really. Figure, work some stuff out and figure out stuff and illuminate a couple of ideas and perspectives and stuff and that, that's the style he has I've, I've noticed Neil Neil has a fun yeah. style he seems like he'd be fun to party with right you know like, you know, like, you, know um, you talk about comedians I know this could be another subject but comedians by nature have to be intensely smart to, because they stitch stuff together and they make it yeah. so the person can make it you they let you in and then you are able to laugh and enjoy because they have the ability to push that across. You know, you know, like I, I had to laugh the other day because somebody posted or reposted a, a thing about some woman that was making some kind of statement where you knew that they had to be either drunk because it, none of it made sense. Right, the whole thing never made no didn't make sense, and everybody's going like they put in question marks, right? They put question like what what what's she saying, right? So uh, I just I just made a comment. I said Rosetta Stone, please, which means you know if you're sitting at the table, you know give me a Rosetta Stone so I can figure out what she's trying to say. Some translate that what uh, she said, and one of my friends came back and said. She laughed about it and said she laughed all night long because she grasped what I was saying, you know, trying trying to uh, put that across. It's like I, I knew that my comment was going to be for a limited target, you know, targeted target of, of, of audience. You know, it's like I'm sure that there's a lot of people who wouldn't understand what the Rosetta Stone is, you know, so... And that's on purpose. Like, you know, I just, you know, here's something I think is funny. And uh, they, 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 she just says she laughed all night long. You know, it's like that's crazy. Great. That's great. <laughs> I, dude, comedy, comedy. It, uh, it is. I've, uh, yeah, dude, I've, I've been revisiting that too. I forgot about that art form for the longest time. And that's why I, I a lot of times I'll defend Rogan because a lot of people don't like Rogan. But you know what he did for me was he reminded me. He, he turned me on to the world of comedians. It's like I was just yeah. kind of kind of earlier about you do a science, you think you've learned something because you took that class in college. No, you yeah. not. Just because you saw Eddie Murphy in the eighties does not mean you know what stand up comedy is. It's actually an organic thing that has a constant life. And the people in the game, like because this is why Rogan is so interesting to me, is that he's illuminated that world of putting together an hour is how they kind of, a lot of them think of about, you know, a set. They're, they're, you know, and they do it in a cycle. Sometimes Jim Rogan does push himself to do it annually, which I think is an interesting way to look at work. But 
you know, certainly there's a cycle to it. And then I go, I went and dug up like Bill Hicks. People told me Bill Hicks. I dug him up. I dug up Bill Burns, yeah. two of his this week. Yep. Because nothing on TV really interests me. So I'm like watching either YouTube rabbit holes of, you know. Oh, George Carlin back in the seven. George Carlin back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah so like, I mean, these guys are absolutely geniuses, and they do a real service to humanity that I think a lot of people think because they saw. But you know, you, you, you know, I know when when uh, George Carlin went on about you know his religion and talking about religions and stuff like that. I, I, I'm looking back, and I see the audience kind of like you see those people clam up. It's like he's attacking their belief system, you know, and, and on you and I might consider. You know, consider it kind of funny, but to other people, it's 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 sacrilegious that they could talk this way. They shouldn't be allowed to talk that way. You know. Well, it it could be very scary because I see it again. Being back in the South, I've I've noticed, and it's not exclusive to the South. It's just it's a little bit more of a phenomenon still in in the Southern states than in, than in the Northern states. It, the Northern states are a little further down the road of secular secular society here yeah. it's not uncommon somebody just asked me if I want to go to their church I mean that's, that's something that's happened to me multiple times so yeah to your point it's like it's really hard for somebody to enjoy humor of that sort if they were if their mommy and daddy raised them to go to church and every sport yeah. they did was affiliated with the church and they went right. to church based lacrosse camp I mean it's kind of woven in their DNA like that's pretty shell shocking to be like have somebody saying you look stupid wearing a fucking hat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'll never forget George Carlin doing that hat thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Manny, thank you so much for for the time this morning, and um, and uh, I'll I'll try to put a bow on this. I'll get. I'm hoping the recording comes out good, and I'll put some links. Okay. In, I'll put some of the links you sent me, and more links, and and try to even put together some imagery. So, uh, you know. People better, we all better can digest what, what topics we covered, and man, I look forward to doing it again, brother. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad we were able to touch on some. I mean, you, it's like how long we want to do this. I'm thinking I could come up with all kinds of freaking t- subjects, but I just don't know how to put them all together. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, 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 you, you tell me what style works for you. I, I don't mind doing some homework. I, I, I will say, um, assuming this job thing comes in, you know, the next couple of days. I was hoping it was going to be yesterday. Uh, yeah. That could uh, that could change my schedule a little bit where I might be, like, yeah. on, a, on, a, on an insane learning curve here for a minute. But it's all right. I, I, I try to um, – I hate to bring Rogan back up, but Rogan and Jocko and these guys I've learned about through Rogan's show, yeah. the way they approach work is uh, the daily discipline. So even if I have this new crazy job, this situation pop up or get busy with something – it's still, to me, no excuse not to do the podcast. The time may move around or not to do the daily right. walk. The time might move around. You know, uh, the, the guitar stuff at night, there's no excuse. You know, you, you, with the, yeah. it's, it's, it's putting it in, even if it's five minutes, because you're telling yourself, you're kind of reinforcing that I do this. This is what I do. I don't, you know, it's, it's when you stop doing it or give up on it or get in a bad habit with it, then it kind of fades away. And that, you know, that just sucks. So, you know, I want to yeah. keep the frequency going. I want to keep the spotlight on it and, you know, keep learning because you, you know, like I say, you weave it together in a nice way, man. It's, 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 it's me. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, seriously, it's awesome. And, and last year was fucking mind bending for me. That, that going at Starfield. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried now that that's going to catch on to too many people. <laughs> <It's crowded over laughs> there. 
Aww. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yep. Well, anyway, Jerry, you enjoy the rest of your day. All right. Take care. All right, brother. Bye. Bye-bye.